sixth episode of the Weekly Pleb. I'm your host, Douglas Rieger. If you don't really know what's happening right now in Myanmar, I really hope you stick around and listen to this entire episode. More than 50 million people and their livelihoods depend on you knowing and spreading this information. I want to give you guys a little bit of background because I understand not everybody knows a lot about the region. So, in 1824, the British Empire took control of this region called Burma. They ruled for over 120 years. During World War II, the Burmese soldiers even helped the British drive Japanese invaders out of the region. In 1948, the British left, and the only form of power or government they left there was the Burmese military that they helped build. This led to decades of a military-run state. In 2015, Aung San Suu Kyi was elected president of the first democratic elections in the history of the nation. In 1991, she was given the Nobel Peace Prize while she was under house arrest. She was hailed as an outstanding example of the power of the powerless. For decades, though, there has been tension between this same military and Rohingya Muslims in the northern region of the country. They've been committing an atrocious genocide of the Rohingya, killing thousands. They've literally raped and pillaged Muslim villages and have forced a desperation-based mass migration of millions into surrounding countries. These horrific actions were taken by the military and not the democratic government. Two weeks ago, the Myanmar military arrested all top government officials, including the president, in an attempted coup. I have been trying to get in contact with someone on the ground witnessing the horror of what the military is doing. Here in the U.S., We're used to fighting wars in the name of democracy, but when it's the world's youngest democracy facing the threat of a military dictatorship, all we do is impose sanctions? I really, really hope more of us will realize what's happening and that the U.S. will be able to flex a stronger position on the situation. Today, I sat down with Mabel. Mabel lives in Myanmar and has not only witnessed the coup firsthand, but she has been protesting daily. She tells me in detail about how life has changed drastically in a matter of 15 days. I'm extremely grateful for her courage and willingness to speak with me. Out of an abundance of caution, her face is going to be blurred and her voice will be distorted. So I'm here with Mabel and she's staying in Myanmar now. She's from Myanmar and she's here to tell me a little bit about what's going on firsthand there right now. So how are yeah. you? Um, I'm okay. I mean, there's always, there's a very real sense of anxiety that everyone here is feeling. I can, I, I can confidently speak for my entire community when I say everything is extremely uncertain. And at this point, it feels like we're living day to day, not knowing when our phone lines are going to get cut off, when another crazy law is might be introduced, or when the Wi-Fi might get, might get cut off. Um, I mean, I'm still in high school. I'm a senior in high school. And a lot of us that are seniors in high school, we don't even know if we're, one, going to be able to finish school properly because it's online now due to, you know, due to COVID. And even if we... And even in the case that we do, um, the likelihood of us getting out of the country to actually go abroad to study, because um, from, I mean, right now the airport is closed and we're basically shut off from the world. 
and all we have is the internet, all we have is social media, and even then it's a very thin thin rope that can be cut any second. So um, given the situation, I think that the community is staying quite strong. We're very united right now. We actively protest and take turns and shifts and um, you know, hand out water and snacks to make sure everyone's okay. So there is that sense of care, which is really nice. And um, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. So for the people that probably don't really know fully what's going on, talk to mm-hmm. me a little bit of how it started. Like, uh, obviously, there's been a military coup, right? They arrested Aung San Suu Kyi and all the the head officials in the government, as far as I know, but. Mm-hmm. What did that feel like being there in Myanmar? Was it like tanks rolling in the streets or military outside or tell me about that? Yeah, so from my perspective, what happened was um, until now, I'm not a very politically active person. I tend to just you know take news as they come and try to stay updated, but I'm not very politically active. That's completely changed. I've been protesting every day, but um, before then, I remember the night before uh, the coup happened, or two nights before, around that time, sorry, time is getting really blurry, but um, around one night or the night before that, a friend of mine sent me a picture of tanks rolling downtown, and that was one, it was so shocking that I couldn't help but laugh, because it felt so surreal, and um, I knew that her, I knew there had been tension, because uh, recently we had our, our elections, and I'm not sure if you or your audience know how basically works here, but just to grossly simplify it, and I, I really do recommend taking uh, taking your time to you know individually do more research later because I I am giving just the very bare minimum information, um, and more from a personal perspective as well. But basically, the elections here are quite new. The democratic elections here are quite new. Uh, before the we ever had elections we had a military dictatorship for decades and we haven't had we haven't actually had democratic elections for that long so um it had always been kind of we'd always been very grateful that we had gotten democracy but it had never really felt like true democracy because the military still had a lot of power in the country because they were so deep-rooted and in the government as well. Just by the constitution, they have to have some sort of uh, control, not the majority, but some sort, enough to, enough to, you know, actually have a say on things. And um, yeah, just given how Burma is structured, or Yangon, at least in my case, the military is very prevalent, and there's a lot of military families, and it's just, they have a lot of power. You just know they have power. So, that's a little bit of background information on the atmosphere, I guess. But then, um, yeah, I got a picture of tanks rolling in the streets downtown, and it felt too crazy to happen for a coup to happen. So I think we were all anxious about it, but no one really truly expected it unless they were extremely politically active. Then they kind of foresaw it. But for the majority of us, it was... um, it was really scary because we woke up one morning and our news feeds and everything was flooded with the fact that Don San Suu Kyi had been detained and as well as our president. Um, and 
they were arresting, you know, democratic leaders and they, they had taken over practically. And for a lot of adults that had, that had lived through um, the act that, you know, the bulk of the dictatorship, the 1980 uprising, which was, which is eerily similar to how things are going now. Um, it was shocking for them as well because it felt like they were reliving history. And for us, it was, we are living, we, we are reliving the history that we've read about or we've heard about. And just ever since that morning where it had announced that the military had, you know, taken over every morning, um, there's a new piece of information, a new piece of media, a new piece of something that comes out. And it's oftentimes the first thing you read in the morning. And it gets increasingly crazy because it's things you wouldn't imagine. It started off with, oh, the internet might be restricted. Oh, the Wi-Fi, you know, the social medias might be banned. Right now I'm using a VPN because I can't access Facebook or Instagram without a VPN. And um, so that's how it started off as, and then it got increasingly more crazy with cyber laws, basically saying you need a permit to do anything online, attend Zoom meetings, do any sort of uh, social media, um, and they could practically arrest you for anything or just speaking out. And then from that, it escalated more into uh, prisoners, the, uh, the military releasing prisoners, like murderers, rapists, you know, et cetera, to roam the streets at night. And between there's a curfew between 8 p.m and 4 a.m. where you're not allowed to leave the house, you're not allowed to be on the streets. And if you do, you have full right to be arrested. And then during this time, that's when the um, ex, ex-convicts, the criminals, they roam the streets and cause trouble by, um, you know, by instruction of the military. And it's crazy because it's not just small, I don't like to say small things, but at this point, it's, everything's gotten so crazy that it, doesn't feel as big anymore, even though of course it is. It's not just uh, going around and inciting violence, which is what people, what the military had done before as well. They would pay people to go into peaceful protests and start issues so that they had um, a right, a justification to shoot or to attack. And um, so yeah, these prisoners that started happening and it started with just inciting violence and that escalated into starting fires, assaulting people, robbing people, raiding people. And it's gotten to a point where civilians can get arrested at night. And a lot of, and thankfully in my um, neighborhood, it's a lot, it's a little bit safer because it is more uh, towards the center, but in the less central parts of my city, it's much more prevalent. And I'm seeing water tanks where apartments get their water being poisoned, food being poisoned. Um, I personally, I will go hand out water to protesters because it's really hot in this country. It's it's extremely, extremely hot. So I'll hand out water, but you know, there, ha- there has been people who've been put into the mix, poisoning the water, poisoning food and snacks given out to people. People are getting drugged and it's it's not being highlighted by international media as much anymore. And I feel like this is because when a coup first happens in a third world country, you only hear as like 
the punchline in a joke in some sitcom because they can't think of like a country that's third world, you know? That's the only time you hear Burma, Myanmar, Rangoon, whatever it may be. So when you hear this, when you hear the same place you barely, you don't, you're not even familiar with, they have a military coup, it's, it seems insignificant because you don't, you don't, you're not familiar with it. But for a lot of us, it's, it's real life. It's real life. It's not just a movie. In, it's not like just some dystopian novel. It's real. People are getting poisoned. People are getting arrested. People are getting shot with chemically, chemically treated water cannons where they'll get burns. And a young woman who's 19 uh, last week was just shot at point blank. She wasn't inciting violence or anything. She was shot in the head and she she had she passed away. It's It's things... That, that escalate and it's not the beginning of the story anymore we're um, a week in a little more than a weekend now and the global media attention is a very short attention span and I realize that and I'm getting scared that this is the end of their attention span but everything's just ramping up and it gets really scary because we feel helpless we can be cut off from the internet at any moment and if people globally like for example you in the states don't care about us and don't give a, a voice to us we're screwed we, we're stuck, we can't do anything. We can't leave the country. We can't even connect to people outside of their country. And that's getting increasingly difficult because there are people I know where their family members live abroad and they can't get in contact with their family members. It's a horrifying feeling when everything is crumbling and um, you can't even contact your loved ones, you know? So yeah. that's kind of what's happening. It feels like a helpless situation. Like there's not much you can yeah. do. The, and I know that from what I know about Myanmar, the military having control for that many decades, they were in power for a while. They kind of yeah. integrated themselves in a way like a lot of high ranking military officials owned a lot of value or assets in the country, right? And that inherently yeah. gives them the power to make decisions like that. So, I mean, I, I guess I, I just wanna know where do you think, how do you think this gets resolved? How do you think this gets fixed? I think that personally, I believe that the kind of, um, I guess, international influence comes from media coverage, because I think that puts pressure on our government um, to, for lack of better words, get their shit together and <laughs> just stop being so horrible. Um, so I think that's one thing, but I think the only way this will get resolved is if there's a consistency because we have a civil disobedience movement happening right now where um, lawyers, doctors, people in the workforce, whatever, maybe flight attendants, they've quit their jobs because they refuse to work under an economy, refuse to work under anything run by the government, run by the military as, you know, in government. And that's been one of the more successful movements because we can't run a country without doctors. We can't run a country without lawyers or business people. But I feel like there's only so long that can that can go on for as well. I, I mean, I have hope that we will keep going forward and the civil disobedience movement will continue and um, the military will realize that if they run a country, we will not participate. But when it comes to global influence, I think holding, holding the dictator, the wannabe dictator, 
accountable for his actions and like on a global scale being persecuted as someone who's violated extreme amounts of human rights, who's inside a lot of violence, who's just a terrorist. That's that's how it will get solved is if we see him as a terrorist, if we if we if people understand that we don't stand for him. For example, recently, uh, someone representing Myanmar, they had a conversation with the UN and they were representative of us, but they weren't. He, he did not represent us at all. He was put in by the military. He was um, he didn't address the violations of humans through human rights. He didn't address the rating. He didn't address the like the amount of peaceful protest and all these things that are important. They were all brushed over. So now the 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 mouthpiece between you know the UN and us is is grossly misinformed by someone who is extremely biased for the wrong party. And that's really scary because the influence that someone who directly can talk to the UN versus um, a group of teenagers, a group of people from you know, our generation, older generations with the internets, the amount of power isn't the same. The amount of influence isn't the same. And so yeah. that's frustrating. I saw, is it true, I saw rumors that the military was either arresting or kidnapping like doctors, lawyers, things of that nature, people of that nature in the middle of the night? Is yeah, that true? that's, yeah, that's happening right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. They, they arrest firefighters and then start fires. And that's not even a metaphor. That is a literal that is literally what is happening. They will arrest firefighters, set out prisoners who are drugged, by the way, so that they have no logical consensus whatsoever to start fires. Wow. Like, it, it, it's unbelievable to hear. Like, it, it sounds like there's no way that's possible. First first hearing that, right? But the, it makes yeah. sense. If, if there's all this chaos, there is a demand or a seemingly need for military control and power to, and a curfew. Yeah. You know, no one wants to be out late when there's drug prisoners starting fires outside yeah. and doing. But that's the thing. It's it's not it's not from the civilians. It's not from us. It's from these these are all military organized and they're putting. It's like they have no reason for military control. So they're inciting all of these ins insane things like fires, kidnappings, poisonings, raidings, just for a justification of military control. That is so low and pathetic and i it's just extremely pathetic because i am very I'm, I'm a very proud burmese person i am born here i'm raised here i am i will this this will be my home you know it's a very i will i'm born here i will probably die here type of mentality and so the fact that this place i love so much is being taken over by a bunch of terrorists and we are seemingly helpless and global attention span is only going to just wither away. It's, it's really disheartening, truly. And I, it's only been happening for, it's only been happening for a little bit over a week now, but I, I have hope for now, for now that things are going to be okay. It's only been a week. Things, people have united. Um, the only way that this will, the only way that this will we will be successful is if we just keep going and 
keep getting international support, even if it's not support by way of um, documents, policies, whatever it may be, just knowing that there are communities abroad that care and will, that will protest for us, that will talk for us, that will reach out, for example, and say, what is misinformation? What, what can you say firsthand? That is so valuable. And I think that people don't understand how valuable that is when you live in the States when you you know when you when you live in the states and you hear something insane you don't really under it, it's hard to under I don't blame you it's really difficult to understand the um the weight of the issue and I saw a really good um example of it the other day uh example of kind of trying to sum it up to um, people that don't live here uh, Americans you know specifically and it was basically saying this is not the equivalent of you know Donald Trump um you know, saying it's voter fraud and then taking over by way of the military, which was a genuine fear from my understanding that that would happen. First of all, that did happen here. That in, you know, that yeah. was a, that that insane kind of theory of, oh, you know, hypothetical, what if, but no one, but everyone kind of knows, okay, that's not going to happen. That happened here, except he has a lot of supporters. Like him or not, it's, you cannot debate the fact that he did have a lot of followers. He did have a lot of people that did vote for him. Here, they don't have that support. They don't have those followers. It's like if Kanye, it's, it's like if Kanye West did that, basically. That's the best way. It, it's like if Kanye West said voter fraud took the military and took over. It's insane. Yeah. And, but that's the best way I can put it. That, that's a good way to put it because that, that really shows how unpopular the military is because there's like Kanye did not do well at all in the election. Yeah, but, exactly. But, but the idea that Kanye could at all have any influence to get the military to take over the country, like absurd. So that's why, Horrifying. That, yeah. And I mean, the, so the, I, I know that because Aung San Suu Kyi, she, she was like an activist. She got Nobel Peace Prize, right? She, first president of the de first democratic elections. But at the same time, it seemed like she didn't have that much power. Like underneath yeah, her, so, the military was still kind of in control. They were still doing things they probably shouldn't have been in the northern parts of the country, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, tell me about that. So she's not a uh, she's not president officially, but that's because of you know laws put in place because she has two children um, that aren't citizens here. I'm I'm actually yeah I think those are the reasons. I feel like it just gets so mixed up, but. Um, she's not president, but she is kind of our leader, our figure, our the person that we look up to. You know, actually, in our country, we all call her. Um, we address her very lovingly by uh, Amesu, which because her name is Aung San Suu Kyi, and we call her Amesu, which literally means like mother, like um, our mother Suu. So that's that's how we address her because that's how much we care. Um, but. It was really painful to see, especially things happening in the north and her getting blamed for it, especially by international communities that didn't understand how this country worked because she didn't have the power to say anything. It's, it's like if she had said something, um, not in favor of the genocide, not in favor of the military. She can't risk that, because prior she had been under house arrest for years. And she didn't have as much power. It was very much a publicity type of thing to put her as a power. You know, it's it's very 
it's very uplifting when you read about a third world country and you see that it's a woman who's in power. It's a woman who had gone through trouble, troubles of um, troubles over and over again, time and time again. It's very empowering. It's very amazing. So the focus gets taken away from the fact that yes, she's this amazing woman. Yes, she's an activist. Yes, she is trying her best to protect us, but the amount of power she has is not very much. And it was extremely infuriating when I saw the international community, and I'm generalizing here, of course, but when I saw the international community say, oh, how does she have a Nobel Peace Prize, but she advocates for genocide? How does she, how is she regarded as such a good person when, you know, this, this, and that? And I just wanted to make it so clear, this isn't, she can't say anything. It's like if you are being interviewed and there's a gun being held to your head saying, if you say anything, like you're gonna face consequences. You can't say anything. You you're being you're being surveilled by an entire country because you are because you have a Nobel Nobel Prize because you are a female leader of a third world country who brought us to democracy. It's yeah, that was extremely frustrating for sure because the genocide. And I don't use that word lightly. I'm not going to say ethnic cleansing. I'm not going to say the the crimes committed. No, it was a genocide. I am saying this as a fully pure-blooded Burmese person. That was genocide. And I am not. And I am not for it whatsoever. It is not a representation of the values that we hold. There is. There has always been. Um, to be very blunt, there has always been a sort of. Um, tension, racial tension, not racial tension, religious tension between Buddhist people and Muslim people. And because there's just a horrible amount of misconceptions about either religion. So there's that divide. But for the majority of us, we are Buddhists. We are very peaceful. And the core belief of Buddhism is you, you you're, it's very relaxed. It's, I genuinely believe it's more of an ideology of do unto others as you will do to you, um, love one another, don't harm anyone. Do you really think that those ideals that are so strongly held would commit such gruesome murders against a whole group of people? No. Logically, no, of course not. But these people that committed the genocide don't hold the same values as us. They are so extreme to the point where it's, it's this or nothing. And there is this one monk, blanking on his name, but he is a quote, Buddhist extremist, which one, first of all, that isn't a thing. Like there, that it's like, it's it's too completely it's a, opposite. It, it sounds like a misnomer. Yeah, or it's right? like it's, the opposite. It's, too, it's two opposite things, but of course he says crazy things. So he gets publicity. So that's the kind of publicity we get. So it kind of was painted like, oh, if you are Burmese, you are against Muslims. If you are Burmese, you are for the genocide. And and I'm not going to lie, a lot of us were scared to speak out against it because it kind of pinned our own values against us, you know, in a very twisted way. And that that was and now I'm happy now I'm glad to and I'm happy to say that a lot of people are speaking out as the coup is happening that we're, we, we completely um, condemn the genocide. We are not, we as a community 
should have talked about it. We should have addressed it. We shouldn't have brushed it under the rug. But when something like that is happening in your country, and that is all people talk about when you say, I am Burmese, and just assume these things, you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to address it. You just want to stay in the shadows. And that was the mistake that we made. And I'm so happy that we are not repeating that mistake and that we are being loud and we are being, we want to be heard. We are spending our days trying to spread information, trying to protest, trying to fix everything. But it's really difficult to fix everything when you're going against um, a group that has been so, I guess, intertwined into like the the class, the high class of having a, a lot of influence. They own a lot of companies. They own a lot of land. They own a lot of people. You, how do you, as a community, go against that when at any time they could shut you off from the internet? They could shoot you. They could shut you off from the internet and then shoot you, make a, just incite horrible things and then pretend like it never happened. It's unbelievable. It's honestly been, it, it keeps me up some, some nights, what I've seen online about what's going on, especially just because I've been there once and I, it's a beautiful place. And it's such a shame to hear that that's like the, the reality of what life is right now. Right now. And yeah, but I'm happy that you, you were able to come talk to me for a little bit. Tell me about what it's like. I, I think people will be happy to know more and hopefully do a little bit of research, tell more people mm -hmm. and kind mm -hmm. of a ripple, ripple effect. Everybody just knows about what's going on. Like you said, yeah. awareness and talking about everything is the best way to get information, not misinformation spread. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really do encourage that if more research wants to be done to not read the New York Times, not read the LA Times, because I've read those articles and they are, so oh my God, I was fuming. Like, as this case started, I was fuming because the underlying kind of message was, oh, like, well, babe, this was, this is going to happen anyway. Like, no, that's, <laughs> no, don't. And it just completely painted everything so wrong. So don't don't read those it's written by people that probably that probably haven't been here and if they have been here probably weren't here very long that haven't actually had an in-depth conversation with a, someone from the community that's it's written it's well, like an essay written by a blind man about a rainbow like you can't yeah. it doesn't add up i think that know? and on top of the fact that it's kind of similarly how in myanmar now the military has a lot of financial control over like media, internet, things like that. It's kind of similar here where it's, it's not necessarily the military or the government that has that control, but just kind of there's an elite class that kind of owns all the newspapers and all the, yeah. the biggest like yeah. media companies and things like that. So that's why yeah. you can almost never trust like the big headlines here. You, I, I yeah. wouldn't suggest it. You have to like actually look into the subject if you want to learn about it so, yeah and I, so i really do recommend yeah podcasts are pretty good i agree so. but um if more research wants to be done don't go don't go that route read read even wikipedia about 1988 uprising the read read about read about what happened in 88 when a crowd when um uh, a large amount of the community was murdered 
during a protest and riots and read about the the what Myanmar was like in the 80s because that is going to be so much more beneficial than reading an article about someone that doesn't know what the hell is happening here. And if you want to keep updated about what's happening here, then follow people that live here. Follow people on Instagram and Twitter, on Facebook even, that live here, that experience things here day to day, because that information will be so much more in-depth and personal and real. And of course, don't read everything and believe it immediately. If it sounds crazy, probably is true, but keep reading, keep looking through things. And if anything, follow, twi follow Twitter accounts of journalists that, um, that are reliable, you know, talking about here, because those are quick, those are fast, those are short, and those are real. Those are actual, um, that's an actual like piece of what's happening here. Follow those things, read those things. Don't read the big articles. Don't go to the Guardian. Don't go to New York Times. Don't go to LA Times. Because even though the headlines may sound really enticing, it's not it's not a good representation. I mean, I'm probably not gonna get in trouble for doing that because what the hell are they gonna do to me? Like I <laughs> but yeah. like don't don't do it. Yeah. Um I don't I don't really have anything else to add except for just yeah, it's crazy. Um food's being poisoned, water's being poisoned, people are getting kidnapped, people are getting raided, people are getting shot, stabbed, drugged. It's um yeah and you know at 8 p.m we we you know there's a movement here where at 8 p.m we bang the pots and we bang pots and pans as a way to show unity and kind of as an uproar against the you know government military and it goes on 15 for about 15 minutes and anytime after you if you hear pots and pans banging after 8 15 that means that your neighbor or someone in your community is trying to alert you about a criminal that's on the streets. So if you hear pots and pans after that, you you lock the doors, you stay inside, you turn off the lights because you don't want to get caught and you don't want to get caught in it. You don't want to be the next person to get raided. That, that's crazy to me that it's that it's been one week and you and there's a system of pots and pans to warn neighbors of wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to like picture the reality, but it's yeah. hard for me to picture the reality too. I live here and I can't even believe some things are happening. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on, Mabel. It was awesome talking to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks I hope, for having I, me. I, I, tr I truly hope things get better. Really. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it.